0: Grace, mercy, and peace of Christ Jesus rest upon each and every one of you this day. Amen. Amen. I cannot think of a single Christian who does not want to know what heaven will be like. Scripture gives us plenty of insights using language like reclining at the feast table and green pastures and streets paved with gold and pearly gates and such. Still, what will it be like? It is no wonder that books and stories about people suffering a tragic accident and dying and getting to spend a few minutes in heaven only to be brought back to life in the ER and recount their time on the other side fly off the shelves. People love to read these books. Inquiring minds want to know, what will heaven be like? This is what makes the words of Jesus so very strange to our ears. But now I am going to the Father, him who sent me. And none of you asks, where are you going? Nobody asked Jesus what heaven was going to be like, even though he just got done telling them that he is going back home to heaven. It's crazy. What a bunch of fools. We have to buy books with questionable and poor theology at bookstores in order to attempt to get some sort of answer. These guys had Jesus sitting right there. And it seems like he really wanted to answer those types of questions. But they did not bother to ask. The old adage says that the only stupid question is the one that is not asked. Well, they were too busy feeling sorry for themselves to ask. But is all this true? I mean, it makes sense to our ears, but that does not make it true. Yes, they were too busy feeling sorry for themselves to ask Jesus about his going home to heaven and his heavenly father, but Jesus is gently admonishing these guys too, not because of their failure to ask about what heaven is like, but because of the failure to ask why he must return to the one who sent him from heaven to earth and what that returning means for them and for all under the yoke of sin. Remember, Jesus has been telling them repeatedly of the necessity of his suffering, death, and resurrection. Here at the Last Supper, Jesus has spoken extensively about how that time has now arrived. Nobody bothered to ask, what does this mean? Nobody bothered to ask why it is a necessity that he must leave them and go home to heaven. All they heard is that he is going to be parted from them and they did not like what they heard. They tuned out and shut down. They were all grief-stricken and full of sorrow at the news that Jesus was leaving them. Because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, at this point, we do need to make clear that having contrition or sorrow over the suffering and death of Jesus is not necessarily a bad thing. After all, if you truly understand how bad sin really is, repentance, sorrow, and grief is the absolute right response. Your sin put Jesus on that cross. That should grieve you. Your sin is so great, even the little ones that you think are not a big deal, and everyone else is doing it too, that the holy and innocent God had to die for. And there is a reason for that. As sinful children of Adam, we simply do not have the currency to make payment for the wage of even one single sin, let alone an eternity's worth of them. Only the blood of the Lamb of God can make this atonement. Only God's holy blood can redeem or buy back from death to life. But this is precisely why Jesus is so particular in his wording. He never says that he is simply going home to heaven. He says that he is returning to his Father, to him who sent me. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son. The cross was the Father's plan for our redemption, for our salvation. First announced in the Garden of Eden when our first parents fell headlong into sin death, and damnation. Jesus was sent to bring that cruciform gospel plan to completion. It is finished. Jesus returning to him who sent me is Jesus returning to report mission complete. This is good news of the highest order. His death means your forgiveness, your redemption, your salvation, This is what nobody was asking about. They were too busy wallowing in their own selfish sorrow because Jesus was going to leave them. And if we are honest, the same can be said of us. We grieve when our loved ones die. We know they are in heaven, but we would rather they be here with us in this veil of tears. If you pay attention to the conversation our Lord has with his disciples, all that talk about the Holy Spirit and his work of convicting and convincing in sin, righteousness, and judgment is meant as gospel to our pitiful ears. It's a response to their self-centered sorrow. Nevertheless, that is, in spite of your sorrow, I tell you the truth. The cross is where we see God in the flesh. The cross is where we see the wage of sin lifted up and on full display for all the world to see. This is why the Holy Spirit is sent to convince us just how deadly and damning our sins really are in the sight of God. If they were not such a big deal, then Jesus would not have to die for them. Do you need to be convinced of your righteousness or receive the conviction of your righteousness? Again, look no further than the cross. Here is where it is finished, was spoken in victory. Here is where all your sins were forgiven. Here is where the full wage of your sin was paid in full. Paid in full with the lifeblood of Jesus. How often, though, do doubts creep in? There's got to be a catch, right? God says it is finished. The reply comes, yeah, but what do I need to do? And we all have our moments. Many a good Christian struggles in doubt simply because their feelings trump God's justifying word. I don't feel saved. As if our fleeting emotions are more trustworthy than the unchanging word of our unchanging God. And what about the convincing or the convicting that is needed regarding judgment? The important thing here is that Jesus is talking about God's judgment against the devil. The ruler of this world has already been judged. That is not what the devil wants us to believe, though. He wants us to think that he still has got a fighting chance. In fact, the devil is working very hard to make it seem like he is actually winning the fight. Although, you have to admit, if you look around at the world today, it is hard to not believe him. And yet, the Holy Spirit convinces, working in and through the words of Christ, that it is finished. The victory has already been won. The devil is judged. He has already lost. The serpent's head has already been crushed by the pierced yet victorious heel of the crucified gospel promise in the flesh. This is all very important when you consider the fact that Jesus was speaking these words to his apostles mere hours before he would be nailed to that cross. They would need convincing that Jesus was not being defeated, but instead overcoming and winning. And yes, that convincing would take place in all its fullness at Pentecost. That is when the apostles were finally able to understand the necessity of Christ's crucifixion and rejoice. That is when they were, by God's grace, empowered by the Holy Spirit to boldly proclaim Christ crucified to the nations. That is when they were finally convinced in that Blessed conviction and assurance gave them a joy and a peace that surpasses all understanding. Nothing has changed. Your God and Lord continues to send the Holy Spirit for you, for your faith, for your conviction and peace. God's word and sacraments are all part of his plan for your salvation. God the Father continues to send his Son to you in and through his word and sacrament for your peace, for your assurance, for your salvation. As often as you do this, remember what I have said. The Holy Spirit who proceeds from the Father and the Son still comes to you to work and nourish the saving faith in you, to convince you of these life-giving realities. He still comes to you in order to take you back to Christ and his cross. To convince you of your sin and your need for a savior. To convince you of the fact that it is finished in Christ and because of Christ. To convince you of the fact that Christ lives. The victory's won and sin, death, and the devil have already been judged. They lost. It's a done deal. Nothing has changed. May Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit grant you the conviction of sure and certain saving faith. Faith that hears and believes and rejoices in, and boldly proclaims all that Christ has done and continues to do for you. May this good news of Christ crucified guard and keep your hearts and minds in faith until life everlasting. Amen.